People, I think we're live. Everybody back there, we are live, correct? This is the not quite inaugural, but it's the second to inaugural because Dave Rubin did the inaugural live stream in the Rumble Studio, Longboat Keys, Florida. It's amazing. Uh, it's amazing. And Ruben on the way out this morning from where we're staying, he gave me the gentle nudge and said, you know, while you're down here, you should probably do an inaugural live stream at the studio. Get used to it because uh, I, I do plan on using this place um, as often as humanly possible now that I've discovered it. Good. No, it's not the morning. It's the afternoon now to the uh, West Coast. Never eat straight away. No, to the East Coast. West Coast, it's good morning. Uh, we're exclusive now on Rumble and Locals. Uh, testing out the studio and just giving you the rundown of what's going on. It's some cool stuff here. Now, first of all, are we st we're still in the wide shot. You can all see these beautiful shoes that Murph's Kicks uh, gave to me a long time ago. Actually, these were the second pair that Murph's Kicks made, and they're fantastic. I wore the first one into the ground jogging with them, and I still use them. Uh, but I'm not used to having my uh, short, stubby, hairy legs showing for the camera. Um, for the people who are wondering, the poll in Locals, uh, this is not my evening attire. This is what I'm wearing just for the stream here. Started walking down here from where we're staying, and uh, directions were wrong. It wasn't a few kilometers. It was close to 10 kilometers. So I um, ended up getting a lift but not changing. Um, and look at this. Seamlessly trans <laughs> What's it? transferring to camera two. I'll get smoother and I won't, you know, make the commentary every time. So, uh, oh, no, hold on, but I didn't finish my first joke. Socks. Uh, I'm, you know, in doing the poll as to what I should wear for the evening tonight, and I said as a joke, but it wasn't a joke, Obama and Justin Trudeau have ruined the semi-rolled-up long-sleeve shirt. I can't wear a business shirt, roll up the sleeves, and not immediately think of either Justin Trudeau or Obama. Obama, when he's up on the podium telling Americans, oh, I don't think he was rolled up sleeves then, but, you know, telling everybody how we've effectively clinically trialed a experimental mRNA jab on... Four billion people. Justin Trudeau, everything he says, he thinks he's the man of the people by rolling up his sleeves up to the forms. So anyways, um, he's also ruined socks. These were Christmas gifts from my wife, and I love them. They're smooth. They fit the body. I don't know where they come from. And you don't feel the seam around the toes, but now colorful socks have been ruined by Justin Trudeau. Uh, we're going to get into other stuff Justin Trudeau has ruined, like Canada, um, in a bit. So this weekend... Uh, I was invited to come down and partake in the ribbon cutting of the uh, new Rumble offices on the west coast of the Florida Panhandle. Uh, they've got some offices in Miami where I've been doing live streams at Locals. They've got offices in Toronto. I drove down uh, from the east coast to the west coast, crossed the peninsula thingy thing uh, on a road called Alligator Alley. Um, and I said, I'm driving down Alligator Alley. If I don't see an alligator... I'm going to feel ripped off. It's a straight highway, kind of like the 401 from Montreal to Toronto. Sort of boring, I imagine, if you've done it more than once, but when it, you do it your first time, it's uh, fascinating. Uh, traversing Florida, and you go through, not a geology or geography, but it, it's beautiful. Uh, I noticed some forest fires, or at least one, to the left. I'll, I'll post that picture uh, in Locals and on Twitter sooner than later, but... Noticed a forest fire, uh, which was an, uh, interesting, and I know that I saw an alligator because I was keeping an eye on the canal on the right as I was driving down. Um, saw an alligator, so I feel fulfilled. Got here. This place is beautiful. Uh, I've been to the Florida Keys once before, uh, a long time ago. We went to Robbie's Marina. I hand-fed the tarpon. This place feels a lot like the Florida Keys, but we get here, and the first thing I do as I do wherever I go, is I go for a jog immediately. Check into the hotel, go for a jog, hit the beach, and jog back. And then I'm noticing as I get back to the hotel that I'm, I'm sort of having a burning in my throat and coughing, and I'm like, great, my filthy germ-infested children got me sick just for this event. And then I discover shortly afterwards that uh, the entire area is going through something known as red tide. And red tide is like an algae bloom in the ocean, sort of like uh, green algae like we have up in Canada on Lake Champlain, uh, Missisquoi Bay, where my mother-in-law is from. And um, it apparently kills the fish, and it apparently causes irritation in higher-order mammals, which I consider myself to be, uh, respiratory issues, sneezing. 
So it, it's 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 fascinating. But like everybody outside, you hear them coughing, you hear people sniffling, sneezing. And as I'm walking the beach, I'm just noticing the first day I noticed a few dead fish. The second day, more dead fish. And I went out last night and the shoreline is just littered with dead fish. Uh, I saw, I shared a picture on Locals, vivabarnslaw.locals.com, of uh, a pufferfish. Straight up fugu. Like it's Homer Simpson's fugu fish from the episode when he ate the poison fish and thought he was going to die. All over the beach. And uh, shot some videos about that. Expect to see one in the news, I think, because it's kind of interesting. We're changing cameras. Let's do this. <laughs> People, we'll, we'll get less awkward. I'm uh, following hand signals in the back. It's very interesting. Uh, there's two cameras. Now we're back. We see my legs here again. Behold, people, these short bow-legged things that I was born with. Um, the uh, dead fish everywhere. Uh, one of those videos I'm sure is going to make it into some news publication because it's, it's, it's fascinating. Um, I went in the ocean the first night I got here after the jog, not knowing that we're not supposed to swim with the uh, red algae or the red tide. Uh, I survived, at least for now. That's what's going on here. Yesterday came to see the offices as they're putting up the finishing touches for the event tonight, and it's glorious. It's, it's, it's amazing. Uh, and people who work here are going to be extremely fortunate to work here because the office is amazing and the team is amazing. This is sort of a, a rumble team event culminating with the cutting of the ribbon. And I've met, I don't know, a hundred... 100 people working with Rumble, marketing, HR, executives, they're amazing. And it's an amazing team. And hanging out, having dinner with everybody last night, and I'm sort of not a member of Rumble employment in that sense, but I was like, this compared to the law getaways that we used to do, the law team building events, holy cows, I don't know if they know quite how fortunate they are that the, the environment, the team, it has a dynamic. Wait, I picked this up to drink it. Uh, the dynamic is amazing. So all that to say, um, the team is amazing. What Rumble has done, continues to do, and will do in the future is amazing. Uh, and I think, I think people are now really starting to understand what Rumble is. It's no longer uh, a faint dream on the horizon. It's no longer hyperbole to say it's a competitor to YouTube. I think it's a competitor and more. And they're really putting something together amazing out here. And I'm fantastically happy to be a part of it. So that's that. Gonna head back to the family tomorrow. Uh, I'm gonna take a different, I'm gonna take the north way, maybe through Orlando and just to change up the route a little bit. Uh, and then in the meantime, what's been going on? Got a live stream Wednesday night done with uh, that Star Wars girl, which was another fantastically, surprisingly interesting stream. Uh, you know, social commentary of how identity politics ruins everything, ruins the legacy uh, uh, events of our lives, you know. I'm thinking, I, I never got into Star Wars to be into it in the first place to have seen how they ruined it and nowadays. I was not into um, Ghostbusters, but I, I liked the first one, and I appreciate how they ruined that with the reboot. You know, if they make a reboot of Back to the Future 1, 2, and 3, but especially 2, and ruin it, then I might open up a Viva channel in which I commentate on how woke identity politics ruins creativity, ruins humor, and ruins the legacy of that which they attempt to reboot by modern standards. Are they going to do a reboot of Spaceballs? Like a politically correct reboot of Spaceballs or Blazing Saddles? Oh, man, can you yeah, let, do that uh, in accordance with today's standards uh, of morality, which I think are actually faux morality, but do that and see what happens. I mean, ruin Spaceballs, I'll start commentating. Um, so, what else happened since we've been down here? Star Wars Girl, we did the, the stream. Yesterday I did a, a, a Locals exclusive sunset stream to see if we could capture the beauty of the setting sun because what, you know, I'm on the West Coast, never eat, I'm a little dyslexic. I'm on the East Coast, so we get the sunrise but not the sunset, now we're on the inside where you have the Gulf Coast behind you, and you get a sunset that reminds me of the sunset I saw in Hawaii when I was there with my wife for our honeymoon back in 2007? She's not here to help me. 2007. You see the sun setting on an open ocean, and it's, um, it's, it's, it's meditation of sorts. And the funny thing also, is as I'm driving down here, Listen to Andrew Huberman podcast on the value of meditation and some of the insightful um, 
and some of the insight that he imparted in that podcast, which is learn what type of person you are. Um, if you have anxiety, is it inner focused or outer focused? And then the meditation conceptually should be on the opposite aspect of where your anxieties lie. So if you get stuck in your own headspace, the test Andrew Huberman uh, set out in that podcast to determine if you're sort of, it was intero perspective versus extero perspective, something along those lines. It wasn't introspective, but it's a variation of that. He said, close your eyes. If you can count your heartbeats, uh, you're probably more intero perspective, whatever the word was. Um, and I could close my eyes and not just feel my heartbeat, but I can count it to a pretty accurate clip. Uh, and so the advice was, you know, focusing on meditation in the distance might be better for relaxing and looking at the sunset. I mean, it was natural meditation where you're looking at something cosmic in scale uh, and it it just looked like it was something sitting on the horizon of the ocean. It looked like uh, a glowing orange igloo or a, a ball of sorbet melting into the ocean. Uh, and I tell you, just staring out at the open blue expanse of the ocean is itself, you know, a form of meditation and relaxation. But so as I did that, um, and after I did that, I then went back to uh, to Twitter and, uh, you know, then remembered that the world seems to be falling apart uh, all around us. Everyone who watches my channel, you know what's going on in Canada. Uh, you know now that um, Commissioner Rouleau, Paul Rouleau, who is not the brother of Pierre Rouleau, who is married to... Justin Trudeau's aunt, same last name, different person. You all know that now, so don't repeat that uh, piece of inaccurate, um, although totally understandable, <laughs> confusion. Commissioner Rouleau, uh, the individual who was adjudicating on the commission, which was um, investigating into the context surrounding Justin Trudeau's invocation of the Emergencies Act, which a little over a year ago, Trudeau invoked to violently suppress what was arguably but not arguably the most peaceful protest I've ever seen, Canada has ever seen, perhaps the world. Um, in, in case anybody thinks I'm exaggerating when I say that it was the most peaceful protest I have ever seen, until the police showed up uh, after three and a half weeks with tear gas, snipers on roofs, drones, armored vehicles, horses. If anyone thinks I'm exaggerating, you can go watch my live streams where I went down because I was reading CBC disinformation about how there were Nazi flags and Confederate flags and protesters desecrating the war memorial, desecrating the Terry Fox memorial. The, the desecration, as I discovered when I went down there, was uh, protesters allegedly putting uh, a Canadian flag in the hands of the Terry Fox memorial. Um, you know, when, when there were images of, uh, you know, during the gay pride parades of having put the LGBTQ flag in Terry Fox's hands in the exact same way. That was fine. That media had no problem with, but put a Canadian flag in his hands. And there was a, a poster also that was put in. That's desecration. That was the desecration that the media was talking about. If it weren't for double standards, they would have no standards at all, as the expression goes. The desecration of the war memorial. Apparently someone who might have been intoxicated was, was dancing on it at one point in time. Who that was, nobody knows whether or not it was one of the many... Potentially the homeless people who, who typically occupied that area on any other given day, nobody knows. But when I got there, veterans were keeping a watchful eye over the war memorial. Uh, they had 24-7 surveillance. They were salting the, the ground, shoveling the snow. Yeah, I went down to see what the media was saying. It was, surprise, surprise, the Trudeau-captured media spouting lies. Surprise, surprise. Um, 13 days I documented live stream that protest. Every day. I went up to the police and asked them, have you seen any uh, violence? No. Categorically, no. You seen any acts of vandalism? I actually did see one act of vandalism, which was, as you may or may not remember, it looked like lipstick-type uh, red paint that was on one of the pillars in front of the parliament, and it said something like freedom or whatever. It was promptly washed off. The police said no violence, no vandalism. One cop nudged me and said, hey, uh, there was a window broken across the street. And then I was like, oh, where? I'm going to go look at it. And he says, I'm just joking. It was broken. It had nothing to do with the protest. There was no violence. There was nothing. Justin Trudeau, nonetheless, you know, national emergency, worthy of invoking the Emergencies Act, which is the replacement law to the War Measures Act. And Commissioner Rouleau, after six weeks of evidence, after one week of policy discussion, uh, came out with his report, 
2,000 pages plus, four volumes PDF, in which he concluded that Justin Trudeau had met the threshold for invoking the Emergencies Act. Okay. It's disastrous beyond um, anyone's wildest dreams as to what this commissioner has just ratified by way of standards that are required for violently suppressing uh, a charter right. Okay, we, we talked about that. I went on a, no, I won't say a wild uh, rant last Saturday, but I went on a rant. I had Keith Wilson, one of the attorneys for the convoy, on on Monday to discuss it. The, the devastation that that ruling has caused, uh, the very fabric of a free and democratic Canadian society cannot be understated in my humble opinion. What I'm sort of surprised about is that it hasn't made bigger news in the States. Um, and I'm going to be sure to try to uh, make sure that I can do something about that in terms of raising awareness of this in the United States. For anybody thinking, oh, that's just commie Canada. Uh, yes and no. Uh, the commie Canada rhetoric, setting that aside, what happens to the North will very quickly and very easily trickle to the South. The new standard that has been set for a Western nation with a charter of rights, with a constitution, in theory, a constitution that protects the freedom of speech, freedom of assembly, freedom of religion, freedom of mobility, freedom of thought. When a Western society has now said, a localized, even if you want to call it an occupation, as peaceful as children playing hockey and bouncy castles and hot tubs, because that's what it was, when a, when a Western country ratifies the violent suppression of that, um, that it's not far away from America. It's not far away from this one here. It's not far away from, I will get better at this, people. Give me, it, it's not far away from California. It's not far away from New York. It's not far away from you. And, you know, I, we're making a stink about it in Canada, and I'm doing my best. I'm a little bit, uh, I'm a little bit blackpilled this week. I, I don't think enough Canadians understand how truly devastating this is for the fabric of their society. Um, they might think it makes them safe. They might think it makes them safer for the time being. Uh, they might not like the truckers, and they might think, Fafo, F around, find out. Oh, yeah, that's what they, they, they shouldn't have been there. They were racist, yada, yada. Uh, if, if you think it stops at someone else's front door, uh, you haven't read any... Uh, any poetry from people who have survived harder times. At first they came for, and then they came for me, and there was no one left to do anything about it. Uh, a lot of Canadians seem to be okay with this, and I hope that they will someday wake up to the fact that it's not okay that a government, for your protection, can effectively outlaw protest. And that a commissioner, a government-appointed commissioner who's investigating the acts of the government, can say, it met the threshold of the Emergencies Act. Freezing of bank accounts is tolerable in a free and democratic Western society because it was effective. Oh, and, and the fact that some innocent spouses might have got caught up in that with joint accounts. What can you do about it? I haven't heard a, a, a plausible solution to that problem. But canceling insurance on cars was a step too far. Oh, thank you, uh, Commissioner Hulo. It's nice to know that you have some standards. That's too far. Canceling insurance, too far. But freezing of bank accounts, not too far. Because it was effective. Hmm. Canadians, even those who think they tolerate this now, will one day, and hopefully before it's too late, wake up. But Americans and America, who will prefer and will favor, uh, call it a wild freedom, or a risky freedom over a guaranteed imprisonment, um, they should understand what's happening to the North, it's an invisible line away, and culturally, it's not that far away. Uh, so I'm going to try to make as much stink about this as I can and talk about it with, you know, the, the big voices out there. Bannons. I'm going to try to get on RT. Have RT cover this. RT International. Come to Canada and cover the... I mean, they've already done it, and I've been on RT talking about the convoy multiple times. Have the international community laugh at the so-called free... Uh, geez, I'm now I'm blanking on the lyrics. In fact, I'm confusing the national anthem of the states with Canada. But uh, God keep our land glorious and free. Have them come see the land of the glorious and free, where protests can be willy-nilly, arbitrarily, unilaterally declared unlawful, and emergencies act invoked. Militarized police, sniper. Let's let let the let the rest of the international community laugh uh, when Justin Trudeau says. 
we're a country that tolerates the right to protest, but we believe that it's very worrisome when protest is used to enact policy change. So I'm going to try to get on as many platforms in the States that will talk about this to highlight the risk that this poses, not just to Canada, but to the Western world as we know it. And I'm not being hyperbolic. Uh, I'm not being hyperbolic. We, we have effectively placed arbitrary dictatorial limits on the right to protest and granted to the government. There is nothing more severe short of actual execution, financial execution of those who partake in wrong think. Freezing someone's bank account, can't pay mortgage, can't buy food. It, it is a form of financial execution. And hey, the more the more harmful, the more effective, therefore the more tolerable and the more, you know, uh, ratifiable as conduct goes, if I'm following Commissioner Hulot's uh, uh, reasoning properly. What is the solution for Canada? I don't know. It can only be a political one, but, you know. Now, for anyone who didn't understand my reluctance to wholeheartedly endorse Pierre Poilievre, uh, the conservative, uh, the new conservative leader, uh, when he comes out during the protest, supporting the protesters because it's politically popular to do so, after the protest, during the commission, when all the evidence adduced during that commission illustrated the degree to which it was a joke to have invoked the Emergencies Act. Justin Trudeau talking about the the Windsor blockade on the bridge between uh, Michigan and Ontario. That had been resolved by the time they invoked the Emergencies Act. How was it resolved? By availing themselves of existing laws and court resources to get an injunction and order the end to that blockade, even if you want to call it that. So when the evidence came out during this commission and it looked absolutely ridiculous, you have Ontario or Ottawa authorities talking about microaggressions of protesters giving bad looks to people wearing masks, which was a lie, by the way. Uh, the, perceive, the, the, the perception of violence to justify the threats that Ottawa residents allegedly faced. Uh, when you have um, the RCMP, Royal Canadian Mounted Police, confirming that they never asked the federal government to invoke the Emergencies Act, which makes Marco Mendicino a big liar. Never let, never let Mendicino forget that he's a liar. A liar about that? A liar about threats of rape? You remember Marco Mendicino, in, in, in debating the invocation of the Emergencies Act, told Raquel Dancho, uh, a conservative MP, that the protesters were threatening uh, Ottawa residents with rape. Mendicino's a liar and should never forget that he's a liar, and no one should let him forget that he's a liar. But this is the evidence that came out. And when this came out, Pierre Poilievre, you know, it was popular. It looked like he was on the winning side of things to support the right to protest, these vaccine mandates, these draconian authoritarian government measures. Commissioner Rouleau comes out and says, uh, no, sorry, he met the threshold. And now Pierre Poilievre, in his next public announcement, has to sort of backtrack, shift and make it look like uh, he supported the protest because the protesters were there for just inflation. Taking the position that is popular at the time... Uh, it does not demonstrate courage. And again, you know, I, I ran for the People's Party of Canada. Uh, I like Maxime Bernier. Maxime Bernier took the unpopular positions, but the righteous positions before they were popular, when they were popular, and will maintain them even though they may no longer be popular. You know, M Maxime Bernier running for office in Quebec, in La Beauce, which is his region, uh, talking about revisiting uh, equalization payments uh, at the federal level, you know, provinces paying based on... Uh, uh, not GDP, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, yeah, pr provinces paying into the federal government and the government redistributing those tax dollars based on the needs of the provinces. Talking about uh, revamping equalization payments in Canada is not very popular in Quebec. And Maxime Bernier running in La Beauce, which is, you know, small town country region, it's a beautiful area in Quebec, taking a principled unpopular position despite the fact that it's unpopular. Pierre Poilievre is the other type of politician um, you know, takes the positions that are popular at the time, and then when they don't, when they're no longer popular, backtracks and 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 repositions. It's not my type of politics. But anyhow, all that to say, um, Canada uh, has had this disastrous this disastrous ruling, and I'm going to try to make as much hay about it as I can down here. Uh, that was a segue also into Justin Trudeau. People. Uh, if you haven't heard what Operation Mockingbird is, if you don't know what it is, and I suspect everybody watching now 
who has been around this channel for more than a year knows what Operation Mockingbird is. Look it up and understand it's never gone anywhere. It's Operation Mockingbird 2.0 is in existence today, or the evolution of the original Mockingbird. Original Mockingbird was, you know, CIA infiltrating uh, mainstream media, New York Times at the time, basically to dictate and guide government messaging under the pretext of independent journalism. Uh, we have now seen Operation Mockingbird 2.0 with the Twitter files, exposés, um, in not just in no uncertain terms, it's like Mockingbird on steroids. So it's like Operation Ostrich. For those of you who don't know, by the way, an ostrich uh, in a one-on-one -on -one fight with a lion, it's 50-50. They've got these talons on their legs. Their legs are like big, meaty legs. They can like disembowel any large mammal with one kick of their talons. So Operation um, Ostrich, that's what we're going to call it from now on. You have intelligence. Uh, we now know having weekly meetings with big tech. Uh, and social media. Zuckerberg talking about how FBI comes to me. We, we all know this. I don't need to go over it again now. Um, except to say that, you know, uh, former counsel for FBI working inside uh, Twitter as whatever position there, Jim Baker. I mean, it's, it's so egregiously in your face. These are not independent social media companies anymore. They are just apparatuses. They are extensions of intelligence and the government itself. But set all that aside... I put together a montage the other day, which if you haven't seen it, uh, once you see it, you will not be able to unsee it. I think we're on the one-year anniversary of the uh, beginning of the conflict in Ukraine, Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Some of you might uh, appreciate that you've heard this term, which has been used by everyone, Russia's brutal invasion. I'm just going to read a few of the tweets that I put together in a montage because like, it, it's... Once you see it, you can't unsee it, and once you see it in one area, you, you can't uh, unsee it or ignore it everywhere else. A tweet from the White House, for goodness sake, I'll keep the thing open. One year after Russia's brutal invasion of Ukraine, President Biden traveled to Kyiv to meet with President Zelensky. Here's how it happened. Then you got a White House statement, brutal invasion. Building back together. When Putin launched his unprovoked and brutal invasion. POTUS, as we approach the anniversary of Russia's brutal invasion. Ned Price, in the years since President Putin's brutal invasion. Uh, what's the other one here? Oh, there's another one. There's another good one. MTV. MTV on Twitter. One year after Russia's brutal invasion. And it goes on. And on and on and on. Adam Schiff. But we are putting... Crippling sanctions on Russia over its brutal invasion of Ukraine. Just this morning, by the way, uh, just this morning, Justin Trudeau tweets out, one year ago today, Russia launched its brutal invasion of Ukraine. Now, some people rightly retort, they're not wrong. There is no war that is not brutal. Uh, the question here is, oh, other people say, well, it could be scripted and it could be rehearsed, but they're not wrong. Catchphrases. I mean, the idea that anybody would think that there is not a think tank behind, behind this, knowing what we know about politics, that you get think tanks in to brand things. Like it, COVID had the McKenzie uh, consulting firm behind the branding, the, the, the promotion of a pandemic. Once you appreciate that there are think tanks, consulting firms that brand everything from amazing new shoes, Viva Fry, from Murph's Kicks, from shoes to clothing to pandemics to wars, understand it and then ask why. And they might be right. You know, the pandemic, it might be right to wash your hands. It might be right to cough into your elbow. You might want to ask yourself how it is that there is synchronicity across platforms, across officials of messaging. And if you think that it's not a problem, that in some way there is some think tank synchronicity to get a message out there, to get the message retained, if you don't think there's a problem with that, uh, you might be too brainwashed already uh, for salvation. But I, I don't think very many people are. Appreciate what it is. People call it mind control, and that has a very conspiratorial sort of like we think of the tinfoil hat, although we do know there is actual benefit to protecting devices with tinfoil, but forget, setting that aside, 
when people refer to it as mind control, it has a very conspiratorial uh, tone to it. Messaging, branding is a, is a form of mind control. There's just, that's what it is by another name. The idea that everyone from social media influencers to MTV to politicians to platforms are all simultaneously in unison using this term brutal invasion, it's branding. There's a reason for it. And when there is such a push to control the minds and the perceptions of the general public, that is the time when reasonably um, cynical, skeptical, critical thinking people should take a step back and say, why? This morning, François Legault, uh, dictator Legault, the sunset thief, the prime, the, not the prime minister, the premier of Quebec, a man who I have political disdain for, uh, the man who put the people of Quebec, myself, under curfew, not once but twice, in 2021 for over five months. Curfew. We could not leave our houses because of a pandemic after 8 o'clock at night, and I think it was until 5 in the morning. Winter is depressing enough in Quebec. Uh, Dictator Legault uh, put us under curfew. A measure that was unscientific by the admission of his own uh, Minister of Health, whatever the title was, Horatio Arruda, who in the press conference, when they were announcing this measure, said, there's no scientific evidence to support the efficacy of a curfew to combat a virus, but it will be a reminder to everyone as to how serious the situation is. That François Legault uh, did the curfew, by the way, not once but twice. Um, and the second time around, sorry, the first time around, they actually had an exemption. This is, you could leave your house at night to walk your dog. Uh, imagine this, people. Dogs in Quebec had more rights than children in Quebec. You couldn't go outside after 8 o'clock to play hockey in winter in Quebec. But if you had a dog, your dog could go for a walk. The second time they did the curfew, they tried to um, not include the exception for dog walking. Science people. Anyhow, that guy, François Legault, this morning puts out a video wearing a Ukrainian heart-shaped thing on his suit talking about Russia's invasion of Ukraine, a provincial premier. Uh, why, why would provincial premiers... Uh, I mean, people are going to say, look, it's, it's, such a, it's such a righteous battle that everyone has to take a side. And by not taking a side or by saying this is a regional conflict uh, among two very corrupt governments. And if anybody thinks that this is equivocation to say that the government of Ukraine is also corrupt, it's corrupt. The corruption had been documented for, de for at least for a decade. Uh, certain issues, which are now no longer issues that you're allowed to speak of, uh, which were reported on by the BBC in 2014. Massive corruption. Uh, other issues. If anybody thinks that the Ukrainian government is not massively corrupt, um, I don't know what I don't know what to tell you. If you're going to say it's corrupt, but it's not evil like Russia and Putin, um, all right, you're taking sides in a battle between corrupt governments. Uh, as a result of which innocent civilians are paying the price and you're saying, well, I'm going to take the government that's less corrupt than the one that's tyrannical. Anyway, all that to say, Premier Legault, Dictator Legault, the Sunset Thief Legault, taking sides in foreign conflict um, and taking to provincial airwaves to you know, promote support for the corrupt government of his choice. The internet is forever. And some people may not know, once upon a time, François Legault, this was in 2017, tweeted out, and I'll read it in French and then I'll translate it, and we'll see if we can see it right here. François Legault, arrobas François Legault, that's at François Legault, lu, quote, la quatrième révolution industrielle de Klaus Schwab, impact de l'intelligence artificielle, la robotique, dot, dot, dot. Our premier of, of, of Quebec in 2017, before, you know, before uh, Agenda 2030, before the Great Reset uh, was confirmed fact after it was purported conspiracy theory, tweets, read, the fourth industrial revolution by Klaus Schwab, impacts of artificial intelligence, robot, whatever. It's the book. It's all of, it's a very, it's a very amazing thing. Um, the systemic 
brainwashing, branding of international conflict proxy wars with, I can call, we can call them fabricated uh, enemies of ours. I mean, R Russia might be an enemy of Ukraine. The question is, in what realm of the universe uh, is Russia the enemy of Canada and uh, America, more so than, say, other countries where there's internal conflict, uh, arguably genocide, in which Western interests um, don't get involved due to lack of Western interests. You know, everybody out there taking the, drawing the line in the sand, if you're not with Ukraine, you're with Putin, and this is the, you know, the battle of our time. There are a great many other conflicts uh, of, uh, you know, about which many people are totally ignorant, willfully blind, or just uninvolved, and the reasons for which, you know, one could, th one could hypothesize as to why certain conflicts don't garner some attention while others do. Politics, race, or just interests. If you think it's a pure righteous intervention of the U.S. to fight this proxy war in Russia, uh, you might not have heard of Operation Mockingbird either because intervention is typically determined by interests. Where there's some sort of financial interest, there then tends to be found a moral interest. Uh, but François Legault, Premier of Quebec, tweeting out once upon a time, I just read Klaus Schwab's The Fourth Industrial Revolution, boasting about it, and now participating in the branding of the proxy war that Canadian tax dollars are going to, while Canadians uh, don't get the help they need. American tax dollars are going to, while Americans don't get the help they need. And people are happy to do it. Take my money, please. Ship it to foreign countries to finance foreign wars, so fraught with corruption that Zelensky himself had to fire members of his government because of the corruption, where, I don't know, you'd be lucky if 50 cents on the dollar of aid makes it to the end destination, uh, somehow just gets siphoned off through the corruption. Take our taxpayer dollars while Canadians literally wait and literally die in underfunded, understaffed, ill-equipped emergency rooms. Ship our dollars off there while the East Coast, after the hurricane, has to rely on donations in order to rebuild. Ship our money over there while uh, children are dying of drug overdoses in, in what can only be described as an epidemic. And I might actually just describe it as chemical warfare being fought against the West. This is going to be, we're on a rant, we're on a tangent, we're going there now. When you have an opioid crisis, on the order that we have here, given the numbers that were invoked to justify shutting down economies, locking people in their houses with curfew, when you have those numbers which are in the same ballpark, resulting from drug overdoses, of drugs that are being shipped or, or manufactured in China, uh, smuggled over the border down south, killing uh, we're, we're into the hundreds of thousands, if we're counting over a few years. Uh, th that's not a drug epidemic. That's chemical warfare. And I, I don't know what it takes for people to actually understand it and view it that way. This is not, uh, this is not a typical OD problem. This is some form of war that is being fought with chemicals that are being manufactured abroad and smuggled in. Hey, it would be chemical warfare if it was some... Balloon over the sky, dropping them on the air. Uh, why people don't perceive this epidemic in the same light, I don't understand. But maybe now people will start thinking about it that way. When you have chemicals that are, kill that are being manufactured foreign, smuggled through a border and used to kill the young generation, the next generation, in numbers that are astronomical. That, you know, within the same realm have been used to justify the most draconian, undemocratic uh, measures, authoritarian measures, why people still refer to this as a opioid crisis and not chemical warfare being fought by a foreign nation, I don't know. But maybe it's time for that to start changing. So, man, I actually, now I totally forgot where I was going with all this. It's good enough. Well, I'll not say we're switching cameras. Now, I'm going to go to the locals. I, we, we have a hard out at one o'clock, correct? Okay, so hard out at one o'clock. I told them I, I could talk for hours and... A stream of consciousness. It makes me feel a little better after I do it. I do feel better. I feel dark. And then I feel a little better. And, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's not about feeling better anymore. Maybe it's just about getting the message out there. Uh, so let's see. We're going to locals. Um, holy crab apples. I almost dropped someone else's iPad. Um, 
I'm going to take some questions from locals. So if you're in there, vivabarnslaw.locals.com uh, for those who are in there. Yael Rivka says, we like your stream of consciousness. It's like, a, it, it, my, 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 my wife says she doesn't know how I can talk forever. It, it, you, you, you don't want to say the same thing over and over again, although repetition is good. Repetition is how you get people to remember things. And I feel like referencing that episode of The Simpsons, repeating things is my job. It's okay. Uh, what do we got? We got a, a, a tip from Serenora Repens. Viva, you are rocking the stream today. So cool when you don't have to worry about tech stuff. It is fun, although I have to get much smoother at my transitions. Um, yeah, Rifka says, Oh, and Trudy decided that here in BC we should decriminalize all hard drugs for a three-year trial. Yael, why did you have to make me think of Justin Trudeau again? <sighs> Justin Trudeau locked down all of Canada because at the, you know, this is two years in, 40,000 people died um, with COVID. And I, I'm saying this because two years in, our medical experts confirmed that they hadn't been distinguishing between died with COVID, or so let me rephrase, they were not distinguishing between being hospitalized with COVID versus hospitalized from COVID, which I took to mean, if you don't know if they're hospitalized with or from, you certainly don't know if they died with or from, and you haven't been doing that distinction there either, but set that aside. Let's just assume the 40,000 deaths were from COVID and not necessarily with COVID, even though we do know that there was at least one case where it was a lie. And if they did it once, they did it more than once. That was the 14-year-old boy out of Alberta who, um, what's her name? Uh, Dina Hinshaw. The, 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 the Alberta chief medical officer, Dina Hinshaw. The woman who spent five minutes disinfecting her hands before giving a speech, taking off her mask like it was toxic, disinfecting her hands after she took off her own mask. That Dina Hinshaw said a 14-year-old boy lamented the youngest death from COVID. A 14-year-old boy. It took the kid's sister to come out and say, my brother didn't die of COVID. He had stage four brain cancer and was in a coma. And for whatever the reason, you took a COVID test before he died and he didn't die from COVID. You bastard liars. He died from cancer and was terminally ill to begin with. And then Dina Hinshaw has to come out and apologize for causing grief to a family that was already going through grief. If they did it once, they did it more than once. It's kind of like the standard rule. You only get to say immaculate conception once before, <laughs> before that excuse cannot be used a second time. That's an old joke. But um, if they've done it once, they've done it more than once because things like that don't just happen once. So Justin Trudeau locks down a country because of 40,000 deaths, which were less at the time, um, while simultaneously, in 2021, um, having euthanized medical assistance in dying over 10,000 Canadians. It, it, you're not a conspiracy theorist for saying none of this makes any bloody sense. Shipping Canadian taxpayer dollars to go fund foreign proxy wars while... Uh, legalizing hard drugs, and it's not to say that drug addicts should be criminalized. There should be a road to to, to health and to uh, detox. What's what's the word when you get off drugs? Uh, rehab. Um, legalizing it. Oh, it, it's going to make you feel good. I mean, I think I think it was Trudeau who just said when I when I came into office, there were like one. Who said it? There was one uh, clean use clinic. Now there are dozens. Like. It's, you don't have to vilify and criminalize uh, drug addicts in order to understand that it's a problem. The solution to which is not decriminalizing it because that, uh, that may, I guess it solves the crime issue. It doesn't solve the health issue. But all that to say, you have Trudeau shipping billions to fund foreign conflict. While our hospitals are understaffed and people are dying in the ERs. While legalizing uh, small amounts of narcotic drugs. Um while exp radically expanding medical assistance in dying maids. You know, once upon a time, some governments called that euthanasia. Others called it mercy killings. They all come up with their nice euphemisms to cloak what they're actually doing. Trudeau has gone with maids. Medical assistance in dying. Not, not, not euthanasia, because that, that has a bad connotation. Medical assistance in dying. While radically expanding that to include the mentally ill and... The question is going to be whether or not they also expanded to minors. And as a result of which, it went from several thousand in 2016 to over 10,000 
in 2021. I mean, it, it seems like something, it seems like fractal wrongness. When every decision that a person is making is on its face wrong and destructive, at some point it stops being an accident. Cadel, or is it Katie? Viva, did you see the DOJ wants to take Alex Jones' cat? He just released a video. Why, why, why stop at a trillion dollar judgment? Go after, go after, the, I, I didn't hear that. I'll, um, I'll see about that. And then we got, um, yeah, yeah, Rifka says, and it's awful. The number of patients who are registered for this is heartbreaking. And by the way, in Canada, the, the people signing up for medical assistance in dying, that, that ad that was run by Simons, it wasn't an ad, I'm sorry. It was a three-minute um, work of video art that Simons, the retail clothing store chain, put together to commemorate a young woman who, uh, who the government made, uh, the government euthanized. Um, Simons put together a video. And I said, oh, this is disgusting. And I said, it has to be fake news. There's no way F Simons did this. Maybe they financed uh, the woman's project to commemorate her life. No, they, they made a video to commemorate this woman's life who um, was provided medical assistance in dying. She wasn't terminally ill. She had a medical condition, which uh, in some cases reduced. It's like tightening of the arteries or hardening of the arteries. It reduces lifespan radically depending on the type that you have. But And it's a painful condition. She was not terminally ill. And you have people in Canada who have, in fact, been euthanized, have received medical assistance in dying, not because they were terminally ill, but because they had conditions that were painful and they could not find proper medical accommodations in the free healthcare system of Canada. One of, one of whom was uh, an Ontario resident, was, was killed. But there's no other way to put it. Was euthanized. She had MCS, multiple chemical sensitivity. Her issue was that she couldn't find proper living conditions, uh, proper lodging that uh you know that provided that catered to her multiple chemical sensitivity also known as allergies euthanized it's atrocious and giving it a nice euphemism you know one government tried the euphemism mercy killings euthanizing people who are medically and legally unable to consent well now we have uh, Justin Trudeau calling it maids who want to allow people who Legally speaking, when you're mentally ill, mentally unwell, unable to consent, wants to allow them to end their lives. And not because of terminal illness that is uncurable or incurable, that is immensely painful. Mental illness. You know, so, mental illness is a cause for um, negating contracts or undoing contracts or vitiating consent. And yet somehow, trust the government to be able to distinguish uh, an individual in a state of mental illness, unable to consent in law, but able to consent to maids. <sighs> Dallas Aussie Dog says, just evil, no other way to describe it. Absolutely. <sighs> uh, Sophia Agape, and I got to pronounce the name right. Uh, I just lost it. It says, it's disgusting that those people have no one telling them that. Where are all the families, churches, synagogues? Oh, Sophia, now you got me. How much time do we have left here? Let me see how much time we have. Five minutes. Uh, you got me going on this. Remember during the pandemic, curfew. They Curfew. You can't leave your house. Uh, no talk about vitamin D. No talk about exercise. You know, on the contrary, no talk about diabetes or obesity being contributing factors to severe COVID and death. Uh, here's a burger. Go get vaccinated. Uh, they left open. The alcohol stores, the SAQ in Quebec, Société d'Alcool, it's the SAA, no, the SAAQ is Société Automobile Assurance de Quebec. That's, how's, how's this for, for irony or humor? The SAAQ is car insurance in, in Quebec, and the SAQ is the liquor store. One is La Société Automobile Assurance de Quebec, and the other one is La Société d'Alcool de Quebec. They left open the alcohol stores, and while, you know, dictator, sunset thief François Legault was telling people, Go get it. Go go have a drink. That, that'll be good for you. I, I say that without judgment. I do enjoy a snifter of port at Christmas or a martini at dinner. Uh, they left open the alcohol stores and the marijuana stores while shutting down churches, Alcoholics Anonymous meetings, and then lamenting the fact that we have more overdoses now. Oh, my goodness. Who, who could have seen? Who could have seen these problems resulting from idiotic government policy? Well, a lot of people saw it at the beginning. 
Um, and they did it nonetheless. And, and government is the only uh, enterprise where everybody fails upwards. The more the government screws up, the more government programs they need to remedy their screw-ups. Uh, they fail up, they fail bigger, and they fail on your tax dollars. It's just, it's a beautiful system. It's a beautiful system for the government. With no accountability, says Rocket Boy TY. Oh, you know, they have accountability. They appoint their own inspectors, investigators, commissioners to investigate their own wrongdoing. And lo and behold, they concluded no wrongdoing. All right. Um, I'm, do I want to read this? In the Belfry says, I must escape this demon of a country. True North, strong and free. My butt. Does anyone watching from Florida have a room I can rent? Um, I'll, I'll leave this on a white pill. It's not going to be mine because I'm, I'm not white pilled at the moment. I will raise hell. Uh, in as much as I can from wherever I am. The irony might be in a year, once this Bill C-11 passes, it may not even be possible to raise the hell from Canada itself. Keith Wilson, lawyer for the convoy, um, thinks that there is a political turning of the tide and people are becoming awakened to this. I'm not saying I disagree with Keith, but I'll just, I'll just, I'll, I'll keep people realistic. I think I, I know of a lot of people who consider themselves to be smart, who on paper are educated, uh, who don't seem to have that much of a problem with it. My goal is to make them have a problem with it. So that, that's what I'll be doing for the next reasonable foreseeable future. Um, what do we have coming up in the in the near future? It's going to be awesome stuff, people. Sunday night stream is going to be on. Uh, I'll be doing some exclusive stuff on Locals this afternoon. I'm not running around live streaming, sticking cameras in people's faces because I, I think that might make people feel uncomfortable. But I'll be, you know, taking some pictures, sharing them exclusively on vivabarnslaw.locals.com uh, what else Sunday night I'll catch you I'll be live next week um, and everybody thank you for tuning in sorry about the uh, stream of consciousness ramble but uh, turned out to be good I feel better I hope you feel better don't despair wake people up uh, you know when people are in a heavy sleep sometimes it takes a gentle nudge sometimes it takes a glass of water to the face and sometimes it takes a proverbial slap not a physical slap that would be assault brother but uh, stay tuned Catch me, um, you know where to catch me. VivaBarnesLaw.Locals.com on Locals. Viva Fry on Rumble. The Viva Fry on Twitter. And if you want some merch, VivaFry.com to get it all. Everyone here, thank you very much for letting me use the studio. It has been beautiful, and we're going to tune out for the day. Peace. Peace.